Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. Shirley Norris, an advocate on bladdercancer.net, was interviewed last year at our Health Union offices during a conference for our advocates called HU Connection. She shared her story of what it was like to be diagnosed and go through treatment for bladder cancer. My name is Shirley Norris and I work for the bladdercancer.net platform. So my bladder cancer journey started long before I knew I had bladder cancer. And it started in about 2014 when I was going for routine um, pre-op assessments I was having an unrelated um, operation and I'd had to go for the usual little tests, blood tests, urine tests, etc. At this pre-op assessment, I was advised that I had uh, urinary tract infections, which I was quite surprised about because I had absolutely no idea. So I was given antibiotics, um, infection cleared up, operation went ahead. Thought no more about it. Unfortunately, I had to have the operation done again on my arm because it was unsuccessful. Same thing again, pre-op assessment, urinary tract infections found. Um, And this happened a few times because I had five successive operations and each one of those came up with a urinary tract infection. So I was advised to go and see a urologist and she did what was called uh, urodynamics testing which is where they insert um, a tube into the urethra and fill the bladder with water until you feel that you want to urinate. Well, they filled and filled and filled and filled my bladder and I had no sensation and I never knew I had that problem. So what was happening was my bladder was not voiding. When I went to the toilet, uh, it wasn't emptying completely. So there was stale urine, which was sort of milling around in there, which was causing the constant urinary tract infections. So I was advised that I needed to catheterise three or four times a day so that after I'd been to the toilet, catheterise and get rid of the remaining urine. And I did that quite happily for two or three years. And then um, I noticed blood in my urine and it was very, very red. No mistake, a lot of it. I immediately phoned my general practitioner, who very kindly allowed me to come in. And I took the sample with me, and she she described it as a nice-looking claret. So again, I was sent to a urologist, um, and this time I had a cystoscopy. And the bladder was fully said of all sorts of infections that was doubling every four hours, and that I was really full of infection. I was beginning to feel ill, tired, very sweaty, uh, nauseous, losing weight. And I went to see this urologist every three months. And every three months I went, all he did was um, prescribe more antibiotics, long-term antibiotics, low dose. I then became immune to the antibiotics because I'd had so many of them that it was actually quite difficult to treat An antibiotic was found and I still felt ill and the weight was 
coming off my moor. By this time, I'd lost about three stone. And I was almost bed and I was just so full of fatigue. I'd been off work for almost 12 months, knowing I was ill, but I didn't know what it was. And I remember lying in bed with my husband and I said to him, Mike, I don't know what it is, but I know that something isn't right. Because I thought, is this getting older, that you just get tired? And I knew it wasn't right. And luckily, with my profession, I had private medical insurance. So these repeat UTIs have been going on now for two years. And I asked my GP for a referral to seek a second opinion, which she did. And I went to see a different urologist. Again, he did the test. I had the UTI. He gave me antibiotics and said he'd see me in around two weeks and he'd do a cytoscopy. Okay. So two weeks later, I went in. My parents actually took me and they've never took me for appointments before because I didn't want to trouble them, getting up early, dad's getting on, etc. But they insisted that they were coming along. I had no real worries about going for the cytoscopy. Um, It didn't faze me at all. Quite a simple procedure. Uh, The worst part, really, is the embarrassment of sort of bearing everything to everyone. But, you know, you soon giggle in and they put you at ease. So I would never worry about going for a cytoscopy, especially if you're a woman and you've had children while you've been there anyway. So he inserted the camera and I was sort of getting comfy on the bed, looking at the screen. It intrigues me looking at the inside. And almost as soon as he inserted the camera, um, he stopped. And I could see what looked like a piece of broccoli, very well formed, like a little tree, wafting away quite happily within my bladder. So I was silent for a moment, as was he. So I said to him, what's that? He said, well, that shouldn't be there. So I said, is it good? Or is it bad? And he said, that's cancer. I wasn't shocked and I wasn't scared. I was quite relieved that finally I'd found out what was making me feel so rotten. So um, I brought my parents in and the doctor explained to him what he'd found, which was actually a good thing. I would have hated to have to tell my parents that I had cancer. So the next step in the process was to perform a turpt, which is basically they go into the bladder and they try and cut out the the bit of the tumour, give you a mitomycin wash, which is kind of like a a chemotherapy treatment. And then they'll send the biopsies off and grade the tumour. The consultant got in touch with me and told me that I had a high-grade aggressive bladder tumour and that he would need to perform another TERP in about six weeks. I said, OK. Two days later, I I, um, received a phone call to say actually he'd changed his mind and he wanted to see me sooner to perform the TERP. So the second TERP was performed and I got the results and the cancer was progressing at, at quite an aggressive rate. So he wanted to take my case to a group of other doctors to discuss a plan, a treatment plan, what would be the best way to sort of eradicate this. The consultant's office was quite a long way from where I live, so I asked him, would he mind ringing me? 
I was very together about it. It wasn't like I needed sort of holding. I just wanted a plan. And that was my vision. How am I going to get rid of it? I just wanted rid. Walking around knowing that you've got a little tumour wafting around, especially when you've seen it, it's a very bizarre feeling. Um, so he rang me up and he said I had two choices. I could either go for what they call a BCG treatment, which is actually using the tuberculosis vaccine, which is injected into the bladder. It irritates the wall of the bladder and hopefully then starts to disperse, get rid of the cancer cells within. No guarantees, no idea how many treatments it would take. He informed me that each treatment you would feel progressively more poorly. It would take up quite a lot of my time in the fact that going for the treatment, then coming home, being poorly, getting over it, and then psyching myself up for the next one. Or I could have what they call a radical cystectomy, which is the removal, complete removal of the bladder, lymph nodes, cervix, the anterior wall of the vagina, bits of the ureters, and I'd previously had a hysterectomy. If a lady hasn't had a hysterectomy, her ovaries, womb, everything will be removed as well. So I was quite fortunate that I didn't need that bit. And they also took my appendix. So I had the decision to make, and I said, just give me a moment. And I was there by myself in the living room with the phone in my hand. And I really didn't have to think about it. And I said a radical cystectomy. I wanted it gone. I felt that cancer had stolen enough of my life. I had been really, really... I'd had no quality of life previously for 12 months. I knew I'd have a bag. But I didn't even think about that. I just wanted that tumour gone. So a date was scheduled for the radical cystectomy. And I had it done on the 31st of January 2017. It's a very large operation. It takes around 10 hours to complete, 10, 11 hours for the consultants to uh, complete the operation. You wake up in intensive care with various tubes up your nose, down your throat, in your neck, from your belly, all sorts of bleeps and two nurses. And they asked me, could I sit up? And I said, am I okay to sit up? They said, yeah. So I sat up and it was excruciating. And I thought, oh, is this right? But I had to put my trust in the medical team. And I'm always a great believer in no pain, no gain. So whatever they told me to do, I did. And I did it straight away. And each day I would say, how do I get rid of this drip? How do I get rid of this tube? What do I need to do? And my recovery actually um, was the professor's second quickest in all the time that he'd been performing these operations. And I'm very competitive. And I was really quite peeved that I didn't come number one. But I was number two. So I'll live with that. A stoma nurse comes along and your abdomen is very swollen. You've got tubes into your tummy, nephrostomy tubes to your kidneys to drain those. And I was shown how to change the bags, which actually is quite a simple procedure, um, nothing really to it. It's a bit scary when you first see your stoma. Um, 
It's swollen, it's stitched, and it doesn't look very pretty. But, you know, very soon, five or six weeks later, the stomach goes down, the stoma start, starts to take its shape, and it's like a little rosebud. To accept my stoma, I gave it a name, and I called it Wee Winnie. So if I had a leak somewhere, it wasn't me, it was Winnie. And I didn't feel responsible. And people used to laugh at me, but it made it easier to speak about. Friends would come and touch me on the tummy and say, how's Winnie? Is she being good? You know, like it was a small child. And we'd laugh about it. And I've actually spoken to other people who um, have gone through the same thing. And it's amazing, actually, how we all name it. It's, uh, I was speaking to someone who called those Moby Dick. Princess P, Lucy, all sorts of names. And you have a little giggle about it. In the beginning, I had an awful lot of leaks. As your tummy changes shape, uh, you get sort of ridges in your tummy. And it can be quite depressing thinking, is this going to be forever? Is this my life? But it isn't. It's the first, give yourself four or six weeks and then things start to come together. You'll start working out what is the best type of equipment for you to use, what are the best types of bags. Some stomas stick out, some dip in. Mine dips in, called convex, so there's a bag for that. And um, I went home after the operation, and four weeks later I went to uh, quite a prestigious dinner with my husband, with his work, Five weeks later, I jumped on a plane to Latvia. Six weeks later, I was in Amsterdam. Seven weeks later, I was in Croatia. And five months later, I was touring around, backpacking around Southeast Asia because I was determined that my cancer was not going to define what I was able to do. And for me, put your care, put your trust in the people, the medical team around you. If you do what they ask you to do, your recovery becomes much easier. It's so easy to give in, but don't. Just don't give in because there is a fantastic life to be had afterwards. You don't have to worry about sitting on dodgy toilet seats. You can just stand up behind a tree, pee with the blokes, do whatever you like. You know, I love in America where it says, you know, use the toilet which you identify with. I identify with the shortest line. <laughs> so yeah, there's lots of pluses for me. Um, I can sleep. I have a night bag. I can sleep 12, 14 hours without having to get up and go to the loo. And that's quite a blessing. So my cancer has actually enhanced my life. I think it's made me a calmer person. It's made me appreciate everything so much more. I embrace life. Things that I would never do before now, I want... It's like... I've beat cancer so I can do it. it. It almost makes you feel superhuman sometimes that I've done this, I've got through it. And it gives you a courage that perhaps you hadn't had before, that you can take on things that you would never have dreamed of. I mean, I'm going to India in August and I'm doing a tuk-tuk rally and I'm driving from about 17 miles from the Pakistani border, right in the top of India, right down to the south, just me and hubby, three and a half thousand kilometres and we're racing with 80 other tuk-tuks. Um, I have two grown-up sons and they could not believe 
that we were doing that. I liked luxury, but I don't care anymore. I want fun. And for that, I'm thankful. May is Bladder Cancer Awareness Month. Why do you think it's important to raise awareness of bladder cancer? Bladder cancer awareness is important to me because I never knew that I had a problem. I wasn't aware of bladder cancer. I wasn't aware of the symptoms. Some of the symptoms are repeat UTIs, continual repeat UTIs. But the number one is blood in your urine. My advice would be, if you're unhappy with the diagnosis that you get or the treatment that you're receiving, go and get that second opinion. I, I was brought up to believe that a doctor knew best and you didn't question them and that you went along with the treatment plan that was given you. I am just so thankful that I had access to see another urologist who within three weeks diagnosed my cancer. If I hadn't have been aware of the symptoms, if I hadn't taken that second opinion, it would have been too late. So don't mess around with your own health. You know, repeat UTIs, blood in urine. Please, 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 if you have blood in your urine, get to your doctor. ASAP. How would you describe the bladdercancer.net community? Bladdercancer.net is a support network for people that may be just starting the cancer journey, the supporting the family members. It's a safe environment to ask any questions. Nothing is ever a silly question. Don't ever be afraid of asking anything. There's lots of different ways that you can get in touch. You can do it privately through inbox. So if you don't want to, um, you know, put it out there in the community, we respect your privacy. We will answer you. We're there for you. I personally learned so much more through the cancer uh, support networks than I ever did from any urologist. You give them lots of hints, tips, advice. What you're feeling is real. What you're feeling is normal. What you're feeling is what others have felt. And we empathise, we understand. We're there standing side by side with you. And knowing that someone else has gone through what you've gone through and they've come out the other side and you look at them and you see them healthy um, and getting on with life is great. Bladdercancer.net can help you with any issue. There are lots of issues around bladder cancer. Uh, there's your body image, because that will change if you choose to have a bag. There's different options for people, neobladders, you name it. I knew nothing about these things until I spoke to other people with the same conditions. Once I spoke to someone who'd been there and done it, it wasn't a mystery anymore. I understood what was ahead and there was a still life to be had afterwards. I'd like to thank Shirley Norris for sharing her experiences and being part of our community. You can read her articles and join the conversation at bladdercancer.net. Find more health communities at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward. <laughs>